Well, if you'd find Nehemiah chapter 2 in your Bible this morning, Nehemiah 2, and while you're finding your place there, I want to encourage you to find a bulletin at some point this morning and, and put that in your Bible and be praying for those on our prayer list. Several, several needs there to be praying for, a couple of additions. One addition this morning, be praying for Greg Ford, who is having some hearing trouble this morning. So add him to your list. And then also, um, we've been praying for Chris Burgess, and she is actually here today. So continue to be praying for her and the doctors and the tests that, that she is going through right now. Nehemiah chapter 2, we are in the second week of a series that we are calling Build and Defend. And last week, we started by asking that question of, of have you ever had a deep burden for something? Is there anything that, that keeps you up at night? Is there anything that just, you just can't ignore any longer? That maybe you look around and you ask questions like, can things get any better? Can, can things in this world or in my family or in our community, can these things really change? With so many negative things that are going on all around us, do we ever take the time to stop and consider a solution or consider what God may be wanting to do in and through us? I shared last week the things that, that break or burden my heart, my own sin, the responsibility that I have as a father to, to raise children who know and, and love Jesus, that I have a burden in my heart for the lost people who, who I walk by every single week here in this community. I have a burden for our church's future that we would, that we would be a Jesus-centered, a Jesus-focused, a, a kingdom-focused church. That I have a burden about broken marriages and families and the condition of our people. You see, when Nehemiah saw that something was, was broken, we saw last week in chapter 1 and verse 4, he paid attention to that tension inside of his heart. And so I ask that you, the challenge last Sunday as you all left was to take some time to identify what is burdening your heart. And maybe you already knew what that was when you left here last week. And so I asked you to continue to pray and see how God would have you respond to that because God uses people who have a burden. But we have to be focused on the right things. We have to make worship of the one true God a priority, that all the things that are broken around us can only be fixed, can only be dealt with, with a, with a God-centered, God-focused, bring Him honor and glory solution. We also saw last week that in order to, to do this process of working toward taking care of this burden, we have to know that we have to confess our own sin. That sin could be something that's keeping us from acting and that God will forgive and he will redeem and he will restore. We learned that believers who act on burdens, they make a difference. So did you identify what burdens your heart? Have you been praying about that? 
But after we identify what burdens our hearts, what's next is generally the question that gets asked in most circles. And, and, and too often what happens is we don't ask that question and we don't do anything about this burden in our hearts. So why don't we act on our burdens? And we could list a series of things here for why we don't act on the burdens that God has put in our hearts. Maybe it's fear. Maybe there's this there's this fear that's underneath that we can't trust that God is going to do what, what God can do best or that what he's calling us to, we're, we're just not sure we can trust him through that. Maybe it's, maybe it's a fear of failure, that we, we believe that God's given us a burden, that we, we know God has asked us to do this certain thing based on what we see going on around us, but we're afraid that we're going to fail. And so because of that fear of failure, we don't then act on that burden. Maybe it's an issue of talent. Maybe you feel that God has called you to do something that you don't feel talented enough to do. You don't feel gifted enough to accomplish anything that's worthwhile, maybe that's how you're feeling this morning. Or it could be this issue of criticism. You feel the weight of, of opposition from the critics, that there is someone who is always going to be critical of something that you're going to do. If you do anything that's worthwhile, you will more than likely encounter some type of opposition. And if you have a burden on your heart that is going to fix something that's broken, somebody likes it broken. And so there's going to be a challenge. Really, we know that anything that comes from God and that God would desire is going to encounter opposition. We know that based on the enemy that is unseen and what he's trying to do. And then maybe we just don't feel qualified. We buy into the lie that we must reach this, this certain level of Christianity or spiritual knowledge before we can begin doing what God has called us to do. And you may nav never actually reach that level of success, whatever that is, by the way. And whoever gets to define that, I would love to meet them. But those are some of the reasons why we don't act. And there are other reasons that keep us from acting on the burden that God has put on our heart. And maybe it's, maybe it's too much noise. Maybe there is just so much noise going on in your mind and in your heart and in your pants pocket with your phone when you're trying to read your Bible in the morning. Or maybe it's just some other type of distraction where you're pursuing something that, that really has zero eternal benefit attached to it. And there's, just, there's, there's this burden that God's put on your heart that he wants you to deal with. But there's all of this other stuff that just means more to you. So maybe it's noise. Maybe it's distraction. But what are the results when we don't act on the burden that God has placed on our hearts or when, we don't, when we're not obedient to his word, when it, when it tells us to do certain things, what are the results? Well, things can continue to go in a negative direction. Or maybe needs that need to be met, they may go unmet. But personally... I think what happens more often than not is we get, we get discouraged. 
And all of this unrest over not fulfilling our mission can cause irritation and it can, it can cause anger inside of us, which we then will take out on other people. And once we're at that point, we doubt that God ever wanted us to do anything in the first place. It can be easy to see this happen in other people, though, but it's, it's, it's harder to see in ourselves. It can be easy to point out all the things that other people should do. And let these negative results be a motivation to keep us from going forward in our efforts to make a difference in an area that we know God really wants us to be involved in. And so once we're on the right path, and of course, maybe you've never left the path, maybe you have been laser focused on this burden and you've been focused on eternal things and you're never off track and, and, and you should be preaching the sermon today. Maybe that's you. And as we respond to the burden that God has put on our hearts, we must identify the things that need to be done sometimes though. So what is your plan? Like what is or what are the action steps required to accomplish the work that needs to be done? But it's the work that has eternal value. And we're not just calling you today to just be busy doing things. That's not the message of Nehemiah. That's not my message this morning. That's not what I want you to hear. I don't want you to hear just get busy or just be active in doing something. But I want you to zero in and focus in on what is that burden that God has put on your heart that has an eternal value because that's really all that matters. And remember these God-given burdens, they're important. David Green said this, if we're not careful, we can spend our lives building things that just don't matter. So build into things that matter. Now, there are two sides to this coin. There are a lot of good things that we can accomplish with our time, but they don't make a bit of difference for eternity. Yet, God can ask us to serve in an area that doesn't seem like a big deal to someone else, but it's a big deal to him. He's the one we want to please. He's the one we want to honor. Now, not all of us are going to be called to form a construction slash militia team and rebuild a city wall like Nehemiah has been burdened to do. Maybe your burden is something that's, that's much less exciting. Maybe God just wants to see if you're going to follow him. So he's burdened your heart with something small. The point is, number one, don't look at someone else's burden and judge whether it's a worthy cause. And the second thing is wisely discern the hours that you have and make the biggest eternal impact that you can. And don't worry about what everyone else thinks you should do or what everyone else is doing. And that is our focus this morning as we look at the story here of Nehemiah. We're continuing this conversation. And the burden of his heart was, was not just walls. And as you read this, you'll see that really come to, to the surface as we study this text. It really has to do with God's glory, the position of God's people, and more importantly, just people. Protection in worship or in disarray in the city of Jerusalem, and that is a big deal to God's people. And so Nehemiah had no idea that he was about to join the heroes of the faith club People like David and Ruth and Moses and Abraham and Joseph and Joshua and Esther and Deborah. 
You see, a single person can make a huge difference in the world doing things that matter to God. It's all about faith. Faith is what makes the difference, and faith truly is what rises to the surface this morning in our key text. In the New Testament, Jesus never praised anyone for their knowledge or for just believing, but he did recognize and call out their faith. In Matthew 17, Jesus made it clear that living faith is faith that can move mountains. And so if you're there in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says that in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? We see here that Nehemiah was waiting in faith. We see that the burden of Nehemiah that he had in chapter one, but, but he didn't act right away. Maybe he wanted to be in a hurry. Maybe he wanted to jump up and just get to, get to work and, 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 and get to, you know, fixing the issue that he saw that was taking place. But he clearly waited. The month of Nisan, it's important. I mentioned this last week because the months are listed because it's history. And so Nisan is listed in, and this means that he waited several months before acting on this burden that God had put on his heart. Depending on how you read the ancient calendar, this is somewhere around March to mid-April. So he waited what looks like to be around four months before he, before he made any movement. He didn't just, I mean, he had every reason to jump up and get to work. He had every reason to start running before he needed to, and it would have been justified. And in our culture, we know that to be true. We're almost always in a hurry. We, we I, maybe I shouldn't generalize. I'm really bad at waiting. Maybe you're great at it. I struggle with waiting because once I'm sold on making a difference and I believe in the mission that, that God has called me to, I want to jump up and I want to get going right now because there's no time to waste. But Nehemiah had a posture of prayer and patience. Psalm 27 says, wait patiently for the Lord, be brave and courageous, but wait patiently for the Lord. Waiting is hard. But it's in the waiting, it's in the quiet moments that we can hear God's voice and his leading. Lamentations 3 says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him you see, when we have true faith, it can bring peace to our hearts and keep us from rushing too quickly. It keeps us from trying to do things in our own power. We must wait and we must pray and we must wait in faith. Nehemiah had the faith to pray and then ask for what he needed. So pray and ask for what you need. Verse four, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, he writes. 
He prays again before speaking. We see this model of prayer in the first chapter. And this is going to continue throughout this book, this this posture of prayer. And then the text continues with his requests. First, he asks for permission. He asks the king, can I go? Will you give me your blessing and then will you give me your resources? You see, sometimes we need permission before we act. From God first, obviously, but then we might need permission from someone else. It may not be something that you can just go and, and do on your own. You may need, to, you may need that process of, of community with someone else to find out if you can act on this burden. And at times, you may need to ask some people for help and resources. For Nehemiah, the king actually asks how he can help him. What a massive moment this must have been for Nehemiah. I try to put myself in his place. I try to, I try to, I try to think about what it would be like to be standing before the king and he had access to all the royal wealth and all of the resources and all of the power. That doesn't always happen for us. But Nehemiah was blessed to have the support of the king. Now, could that have been a result of this process of waiting and praying and fasting before initially moving forward? Maybe. But the king gives him time away and resources. So Nehemiah, he will reach out and he will gather the resources, the timber and the stone and all the things he needs. He gathers what he needs and God will bless his efforts. And this is a great picture. You see, Nehemiah... He stood before the king of a nation and made his requests. But you and I, we stand before the king of kings, the God of the universe. And we make our request to the God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, and he can do anything. And that should be an encouragement to us as we pray and as we wait in faith. That God is pleased when we are pursuing him and his will. And so once you've prayed, or once you've waited, and you've prayed, and you've really processed what it is God wants you to do, you have to take the time to investigate. Almost every single time, we must do the prep work before acting on the burdens of our heart. Verse 11, so I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me. And I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. And I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. But there was no room for the animal that was was under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall. And I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. So first, it would appear that he rested again when he gets to town. He rests for a few days. It says he was there a few days and then, and then, he, and then he got a feel for the land. He went around and he, and he saw what was going on. Something to note here, though, is he did this investigation by night when no one was, was watching, specifically the enemies. He didn't want to draw their attention too soon because, as we will soon find out, they're going to become a huge problem for Nehemiah and his people in the storyline. 
Nehemiah didn't rush it. And so I would encourage you this morning, do not rush. Develop a plan. Powerful faith often comes with a plan. He spent time looking at what needed to be done. He saw the problems. He knew what he needed to do before he acted. We see a similar process of planning and courage. We read it just a few moments ago from Luke chapter 14. It'll be on the screen again. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Why won't you first sit down or won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to, to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't, the, won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. We have to wait. We have to pray. We have to ask and we have to investigate. We have to plan. We have to be prepared. And then one of the most challenging parts is the facing of our critics. You will have them. Criticism is coming, verse 10. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Sanballat and Tobiah, they were known leaders of a group of people who were enemies of Israel. These people, this nation, the Ammonites, they had a, they had a stronghold on the people of Jerusalem. They had power. They oppressed the people. They were not happy. They were not happy to hear that someone had showed up in town and he was going to do something about the problem of the city. They were not happy. This brings to mind Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees were not happy that Jesus had showed up and they were not okay with the message of Jesus. The disciples had issues once again with the church folk of the day. Paul had issues with the Pharisees. They were critics of this Jesus and what he had come to do. For us, who are your critics? Who are your critics? Because you will surely have them. You will be attacked. Maybe it's your character. Maybe it's your intentions. Maybe it's your ability. All of those things can be on display for your greatest critic. So what will you do? You see, God's enemy, Satan, he will attack. So if it isn't from people, it will come from God's enemy. Your critics will come. We're not going to talk about that a lot today because it continues over the next couple of weeks. But in verse 17, we see something else. The people will join in. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. 
So they strengthen their hands for the good work. Nehemiah makes a positive call to the Jews. He he identifies the common need. The Jewish leaders, they don't even mention to Nehemiah that they had already tried to rebuild the city walls on their own. Just read Ezra chapter 4. But they accept his plan to build. And they rise up together. He rallies the people to join in. We see team building. We see volunteering and recruiting and retaining. And all of the things that leaders love to talk about. A community of people is a great thing. He caused, or he assured the people that God was with them, along with the support of King Artaxerxes. And the people got behind the vision. Now the work will be challenged because the critics come again in verse 19. But when Sanballat and the, the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant of Geshem the, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us. And despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They mocked them. They laughed at them. They had a deep disdain for what Nehemiah was doing. And of course, we'll see them again. But in spite of all of that, Nehemiah points the people back to the Lord in verse 20. Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper And we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Uh Uh-oh. Got to flip the taunting game around a little bit there. I don't know if they noticed. You see, God was with Nehemiah. And God is with you. And God is with us. And when God is with you, when God is with us, we can do the work that he's called us to do. If he calls you, he will equip you. That doesn't mean everything will be calm. It doesn't mean it's going to be peaceful. It doesn't mean you're always going to feel like a winner. You will have hard times. You can be sure of that. But usually something worth doing will require work, sacrifice, and challenge. And at the end of it all, if we're being realistic, we know it's not easy or everyone would be doing it. I'm sure countless, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people thought, what is wrong with our city? Why are we so scattered? Why is worship a mess? Why are things so messed up? I'm sure that's not the first time somebody had felt the burden to do something. But Nehemiah was the first to say, I'm going to do something about it. But we have to wait on the Lord and his timing, prepare and gather the resources for the work, develop a plan, because powerful faith often comes with a plan. So work with people, wrestle with problems, pray for discernment, find solutions, deal with the critics, but be about work that matters for eternity. Just because the Lord has burdened you to do something And just knowing that he is on our side does not mean that everything is going to work out smoothly and effortlessly. You got to be practical about what God wants you to do as well. So do you know what God wants to do in you? Do you want to know what to do with all of the hurdles and the opposition that, that will almost always come your way when you act on a burden? Do you want to know the answer to that question? Well, you'll have to come back next week for part three 
of build and defend to find out. How do you like that for a marketing plan? All the marketers, yeah, can keep you hanging. Or you can just read chapter four and find out. So, God has, God has given us as the church a burden. God has given us as his people a call. And that is to build his kingdom. And so as you fellowship in this body here at West Hill Baptist Church, the agenda is Jesus. Human beings are here. I'm a human. You're a human. We're not all perfect. Not everything lines up the way we want them to in our own perfect little world. But one thing can, can, will, will be said of, of, of me, and that is, Jesus is all I really care about. Jesus and people. I care about people being disciples of Christ. I care about people following what Jesus has commanded us to do. And so that's the burden that I have for our church and for our community, is that we would make much of his name. And that would be the only thing. And so, do you know what that burden is? And have you stopped? And have you prayed? And have you waited in faith for how God would want you to act on that burden? Read Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2 this week and be reminded of all the things that will come your way, the criticism, the critics, the the drama, the trauma, all of it. It's coming, but it's worth it. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful this morning for this story hidden away in our Old Testament that we so often pass by There is so much here for us to learn from. So God, I pray that as we read the story about your servant, Nehemiah, who was bold in his faith and who trusted you and and followed you, God, I pray that we would act the same, that we would feel a burden for the things that you're burdened about, and that we would pray and we would ask for your leading and your blessing and that we would wait in faith and that we would trust you and that we, would, that we would pray and ask you to give us the things that we need, the process that we would develop the plan that you want for us as we act on the burden that you've put on our hearts. And God, I pray that you would give blessing to us as we, as we act on these burdens for your honor and for your glory alone. So Lord, use us, your people, in this small town, this small community in northeastern Ohio to make a difference that has eternal impact. And we're so thankful that we have the example of Jesus to follow. And it's in his name we pray, amen.